0: Good morning, Saints of Our Lord, and welcome to Thy Strong Word. I'm your host, Brady Finn, District President of the Minnesota North District of the Lutheran Church Missouri Synod. Thank you for tuning us in this morning on Worldwide KFUO. Christ for you, anytime, anywhere. A blessed Pentecost season to all of you this Wednesday, July the twenty-seventh, as the light of Jesus shines on us and continues to shine on us in Genesis chapter 42. Now is a time where we've kind of seen two realities happening. You have Jacob and his brothers on one end, you have Joseph. We've been following Joseph. Now, this world that had been separated, these two worlds separated are now gonna start clashing. And I tell you what, I've had so much fun reading to this point, studying to this point, and I'm really excited for the next few chapters because now you have that very earthy real life situation of in our own families where you have some tensions, you have some history you have back and forth. How would we treat other people? Was Joseph being fair? Were his brothers being uh, ridiculous? Are they actually repentant? Is there forgiveness? How does this all fit together? Which is why we need to always put on our Christ goggles. So put those on, open up your Bibles, for the gifts are ready, ready for you. Thank you to our friends at Lutheran Heritage Foundation for your support of Thy Strong Word. Visit lhfmissions.org for more information. lhfmissions.org. Helping us to be strengthened by God's Word this morning, we welcome back Pastor Derek Waffle of Christ Lutheran Church in Pascagoula, Mississippi. Pastor Waffle, happy Pentecost and Pentecost, excuse me, and welcome back to Thy Strong Word.
1: Good morning. Thank you. Very happy to be back with you.
0: Yeah, it's been, well, I remember we studied Hebrews together was the last time we were together. It was, a, I remember that was Hebrews 7, which is a great text in Hebrews. Maybe you don't remember, it, but I remember it. And and uh, it's been a long time. So tell me what's going on for you and, and your family and the saints at Christ yeah, Lutheran. It was about a year
1: ago that we talked the last time. Um, <laughs> yeah, that's true. <laughs> since
0: then, uh, congratulations on
1: your uh, election or uh, um Blessings, I should say, rather, on your, your service yeah. as uh, district president up there in Minnesota. Uh, since since we talked, I've also taken on the role of circuit visitor, in our own hey. circuit. Uh, Thank you. And um, we also have a new baby. So uh, oh, right. <laughs> I think she was still on the way the last time we, mm-hmm. we talked last yep. year. She is now uh, going on 11 months old. So uh there, family. In terms of our family, there is uh, always that family circus going on: two boys mm. and a baby girl. So, <laughs> there's Good for uh, you. Uh, you. You learn a lot of theology, and just looking at uh, <laughs> uh, Jacob and his kids, I think you learn a lot of theology by having small children. <laughs> That's true. Uh, Amen. I can I can sympathize with Jacob a little bit, perhaps. Absolutely. So, tell us about what's going on in Christ. <clears throat> uh well. We just had our VBS last week. Uh, We have a family or intergenerational VBS program that uh, we have in the evening. So uh, we we just got through with that and sort of taking a deep breath on the other side. Uh, you, You know how VBS often goes. You put a lot into it and now we're sort of recovering this week.
0: Well, and that's exactly right, and uh, and that's a good reminder to for our list for you, our listeners, to pray for our churches as they've gone through VBS. Because, um, well, the Word of God is there, which I, I'm assuming it is uh, at VBSs, and it can be very exhausting. But the Lord bears fruit by His Word. This is very clear throughout Scripture, which is why we do what we do here on Thy Strong Word. Why we are here to help and support the churches, and 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 that's why we're here together to to help and serve. Each other, So pray for the saints at Christ Lutheran and the people who were involved in that, that God's Word may bear fruit. So, Pastor, Absolutely. we're here to be Thank in you. God's Word. So, yeah, so Genesis chapter 42, can you begin our time in prayer? I would love to.
1: Heavenly Father, you call us to, to come to you to receive your blessings that you, you pour out on your grace. Um, and today we focus most on the blessings that you give to us in the study of your Word. As we come to this story of, of your people in ancient times, may we see how you have been at work for us and for all your faithful people throughout history from the earliest days of creation into now and how we see that in particular in uh, Joseph, Jacob, and the rest of his family who have gone before us. Bless us with your Holy Spirit to, uh, to be taught by you as we dive into your word. In your Son,
0: Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Reminder to listeners if you have any questions concerning Genesis chapter 40, 42, excuse me, uh, send us an email, kfuo at kfuo.org. Kfuo dot, at kfuo.org. Or call on this live study, 314 821 850. 314 850. Now pastor, we are looking at genesis forty two and I would say that it's 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 kind of been a slow ride I would say thirty seven up to forty one. It's, it's kind of a slow. Uh, how would you describe it? Uh, it it's two steps forward, uh, four steps backwards for Joseph. <laughs> but here yeah. it, it really it, it slows down. But the tension grows and grows and grows. Anticipation grows and grows and grows. So li- lead us up to this point and some main themes that will help us start off on the right foot today.
1: Right. So, like you say, Joseph has had a very winding road uh, up until now. <laughs> um we we learn from the previous chapter the uh, uh the time frame here is now 20 years after he has been uh betrayed and sold into slavery by his brothers. Uh, it, we're told that he was 17 when that happened. He was 30 when he entered the service of Pharaoh. And now the seven mm. years of plenty that Pharaoh's dream uh, foretold have now passed and the famine is beginning. So uh, as uh, uh, as we go into these events, this encounter between Joseph and his brothers, it has been 20 years since they have seen him. And uh, as you say, quite a lot has happened in that time as far as Joseph is concerned uh, um, from uh a slave to manager of Potiphar's house, uh, back down again to prisoner, uh, a position of responsibility in the prison, these uh, ups and downs and so forth. Uh, uh, and finally, he has been placed in this position by God, uh, in uh, this position of authority in Egypt, second only to Pharaoh. Uh, so he mm. has Fallen, you know, fallen as far, about as far as he could, and risen about as high as he could uh, in those 20 years in between. So the famine has begun, The uh, uh, not just in Egypt, but clearly it is affecting uh, Canaan and uh, other, other lands as well.
0: So that is where we pick back up at the beginning of 42. And it is amazing. I like how you put that together is, is okay. Here's how many years are happening because we can read the Bible and kind of assume it's like months, you know, we think, Oh, well, you know, whatever. But if, if, if someone were to come to us and it was a prophet from the Lord, I don't know how those, how this situation would happen, but if they said you have seven years of plenty and then seven more years of famine, I don't know how we would respond to that because we struggle to think about four years of a president you know what i mean like oh my gosh <laughs> things were just so bad those 4 years and it's hard for us to imagine 14 years let alone all that joseph has gone through to this point which only happens in a few chapters and so it gives you, you really broke that down to give us a perspective of how long this time range has been and when we look at 20 years of our lives, we're able to look back and say, okay, God provided there, there, and there. And so Joseph is really in that, and we are in that seat as well, which is a great perspective as they come to this point where the the, the storehouses are full, they're opened up, and people, it says, from all the earth, were coming to Egypt to receive help, which is... Uh, pretty amazing for me to think about. Any any thoughts on that? I mean, these storehouses must have been huge and very full in order for them to help and serve all the earth at that time. Any thoughts? Just that it's a, a, a side of God's provision and
1: uh, yeah. uh, preserving His people. You know, when we're taught to pray, give us this day our daily bread. Uh, in this case, He used Joseph and uh, uh, these years of plenty in Egypt to to give this daily bread, this provision to uh, many people. Uh, that's what I'm not to skip too far ahead, but that's what Joseph himself Please. will say in a couple of chapters that uh, uh, this was to preserve the lives of many people that God placed him in this position.
0: And, and God used someone like Pharaoh's house, not necessarily, not a believer in the Lord Yahweh by any stretch, uh, but used through them. And that's what we got to remember today. Not only Lord, You know, help me provide my daily bread, but provide it for my neighbor. And how he uses it is not always the way we would expect him to do that, but he does. And then that's That's a great reminder as well. Yeah. Anything else before we begin, Pastor? Uh, No. Let's jump on into the chapter. All right, let's do it. We are reading. We are studying Genesis chapter forty-two. We'll be reading from the English Standard Version, and we hear the Word of God. When Jacob learned that there was grain for sale in Egypt, he said to his son. Why do you look at one another? And he said, Behold, I have heard that there is grain for sale in Egypt. Go down and buy grain for us there, that we may live and not die. So ten of Joseph's brothers went down to buy grain in Egypt. But Jacob did not send Benjamin, Joseph's brother, with his brothers, for he feared that harm might happen to him. Thus the sons of Israel came to buy among the others who came, for the famine was in the land of Canaan. So, kind of just some background uh, information to sets us off. Uh, Your first thoughts? I I I always appreciate uh, when I see the humor in the Bible,
1: and I I I always laugh a little bit at Jacob's uh, the way Jacob speaks to his sons here. Why are you sitting around looking at each other? You know, we've heard there's grain in Egypt. Why are you wasting time here? Get off your patootie and go do something about it. Uh, So that. But we also see this continued tension in Jacob's family that he does not send Benjamin. He sends the other 10 brothers, but he's still afraid of uh, what would happen to to Benjamin. Uh, And I don't know if it's, he's simply fearful of the normal dangers of of long distance travel, especially at that time. Uh, Given his words at the end of this chapter, uh, you know, you have bereave me of my children Joseph you know, uh, and now, now send me in and now you would take Benjamin I have to wonder if Jacob had his suspicions about mm. what had happened to Joseph all those years ago and he yeah. uh, he was clearly still playing favorites For that's, that's a whole different issue that we can get into as well but uh, uh, he had some concern perhaps of what, what would happen to Benjamin if they're off in a foreign country without any uh, supervision
0: and it really, I love how you talk about the humor there because, like, why are you guys just sitting there looking at each other? And, and it makes you wonder what the brothers were or were not doing at the time. It's like, it's obvious. Everyone around us is in a famine, people are starving. Why are you not going to do this? So, you know, Jacob, you look at Jacob, Isaac, others, yeah, they kind of had some of that sarcasm that they threw out there occasionally in the book of Genesis. And don't you think? Oh, absolutely. Yeah, you know, it's uh, it's easy
1: to approach these, you know, separated by so much cultural distance, so much distance in time, uh, and mm. the, just the way that the Bible talks, and to, to forget that they are real people with real personalities. They're real people. They, <laughs> I, they had, uh, surely they had sarcasm just the same as we do.
0: Absolutely. And and yeah, and, and, and as we look at this, it, it does bring up, I think, a very good point, and you alluded to it, is that here is Jacob. They sends ten of his sons, but in verse four. But Jacob did not send Benjamin, Joseph's brother, with his brothers, for he feared that harm might happen to him. There might be some skepticism about what what really did happen to Joseph. There's also that reality that what happened those tw- twenty years prior is still with him. Something he doesn't get over, and and this is something I learn more and more as a pastor. It, it just as I get older too is that when something happens to us, it isn't like, okay, I'm going to grieve seven days and it's going to be gone. But it's something that sticks with us in this broken world, which is why we need, uh, when we when we, when we uh, work with others, when we love and care for others, when we interact with others, this is always good to know that Jacob, for example, was struggling with us still. And then therefore, all of us, are struggling with something too, which is why we always are needing the gospel. Pastor, your thoughts on, on the grief that Jacob and that long-standing reality. You know, that is a great point uh, that you're right, that we're pushed to sort of get over a
1: loss sometimes much too quickly. You know, people are there for you when you're grieving for the first few days, the first few weeks. But uh, after that, everyone else seems to move on. And uh, uh, sometimes we feel pressured to do that too. And, you know, when people tell us it'll get better, well, uh, it, it should get better in the sense that you aren't grieving every moment of every day, but it'll still hit you. You know, you still, you, you may never entirely get over it in that sense that, uh, you know, you may, you, you can go days and days and then all of a sudden something will happen. Some little thing that'll remind you of a person you lost and it'll hit you fresh all over again. Um, uh, he said even after 20 years uh joseph you know, jacob is still uh, uh sort of having these i don't know flashbacks is the right word to use but uh it's still very much in his mind uh, the, this possibility of loss
0: hmm. and that's where uh, it's just a good reminder for you our listeners that uh That you, this is why we have the church. This is why God calls under shepherds and they call, for example, like a deaconess or or other people that work in the church, that they are there to bring the word of God to you, to be listening ears and to care for your souls. And clearly Jacob is no different than us, as Pastor said before. Not only would it bring sarcasm, but also we feel the weight of sin and brokenness in this world. And that's why, thanks be to God, that our, our Lord has taken that weight and sin upon himself, which is the message that we continually give in word and prayer and obviously the sacraments. So uh, just my encouragement uh, to you listeners to, to go to your, it's go no to your coincidence,
1: pastor. Uh, no coincidence that uh, Jesus calls the Holy Spirit the Comforter.
0: Because ah, when we yes. come,
1: to, uh, come to our Lord in his word, in the sacraments, in the fellowship of the church, uh, all these ways that the Spirit is uh, present and active with us, the, the bringing this comfort to us, the comfort that comes you know, through faith. The, uh, the promises that, that God makes to us in Christ, the, this idea that there is a peace that is not possible in the world only mm. through the peace that comes from the kingdom of Christ.
0: Oh, amen to that. So just an encouragement, go and receive the gifts and be part of your beloved congregations. We continue on, verse 6. Now Joseph was governor over the land. He was the one who sold to all the people of the land. And Joseph's brothers came and bowed themselves before him with their faces to the ground. You know, I'm going to stop there, Pastor. This sounds awfully familiar that a bunch of brothers came and bowed themselves before another brother i think this was maybe mentioned before any thoughts <laughs> yeah that
1: uh uh i think this did come up in a couple of chapters before <laughs> this as joseph himself recognizes here uh, uh you know this these these dreams that he had in fact it's the dreams that uh, uh caused them to really resent him in the first place uh, these uh uh the, the stalks of corn bowing down to him and the, the stars mm-hmm. and the sun and the moon uh, uh, bowing down before his star um, that, you know, it's a good reminder to us that all that this is happening here is very much in accordance with God's foreknowledge and plan. This is not an accident. This mm-hmm. is fulfilling these dreams, these prophecies that Joseph had years and years ago. In fact, you could say the brothers are inadvertently their sinful actions against Joseph are fulfilling God's prophecy because they're the ones who sent him down to Egypt to be put in this position in the first place.
0: Right. Yeah. And, and this is where the interpretive key to all of this for us to remember, it goes to Genesis 50 where it says what you intended for evil, God used for good. And we're going to see that throughout what um, uh, one quote that is on my mind as I've been studying this is uh, they wanted to send him to slavery and and God sent him to save. And I thought that was that was very really good. They sent him away. God sent him, you know, to save. And 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 what you intended for, for evil, God used for good, reminding us that God is always at work in the brokenness in the midst of the storms. He's at work in all of these things, bringing his peace and doing his will, which is always gracious as we throughout the Bible. Pastor, verse 6, I wanted to stop there just because I was like, hmm, that sounds very familiar. But anything else you <laughs> want to highlight in these first six verses or and keep going?
1: Um, no, let's keep going.
0: All right, verse 7. Joseph saw his brothers and recognized them, but he treated them like strangers and spoke roughly to them. Where do you come from, he said. They said, from the land of Canaan to buy food. And Joseph recognized his brothers, but they did not recognize him. And Joseph remembered the dreams that he had dreamed of them. And he said to them, you are spies. You have come to see the nakedness of the land. They said to him, no, my Lord, your servant, have we, have, your servants have come to buy food. We are all sons of one man. We are honest men. Your servants have never been spies. And he said to them, no, it is the nakedness of the land that you have come to see. And they said, we, your servants, are 12 brothers, the sons of one man in the land of Canaan. And behold, the youngest is this day with the father, and no one is more. No, and there is, no one is no more. No one is no more, excuse me. But Joseph said to them, it is as I've said to you, you are spies. By this you should be tested, by the life of Pharaoh. You shall not go from this place unless your youngest brother comes here. Send one of you and let him bring your brother while you remain confined and your words may be tested whether there is truth in you or else by the life of Pharaoh, surely you are spies. And he put them all together in custody for three days. Pastor, I'm going to say this and I want to hear your thoughts. There's a little bit in me that wants to say, serves them right. (laughs) so uh maybe that's not quite right but it it it, how how do you not have that feeling when you read the story what are the thoughts you have
1: i i think that is our natural response to this story (laughs) they're getting a little bit of comeuppance um but it is you know that, that that's really the big question for me about this whole chapter like what is joseph intending to do here what is he trying to accomplish with this is is he getting revenge on them is he just making them suffer a bit for how they afflicted them you know twist the knife a little bit now that the tables are turned uh, well i I doubt that because of the overall context of Joseph and his story you know as you mentioned yourself the the key to this whole uh, text is that that those later words that God meant it for good uh, but <laughs> I I have to wonder if Joseph, also being a, uh, a a sinner just like us, did get a little bit too much enjoyment out of the whole process. Mm-hmm. But uh, mm-hmm. but I think his accusation of them, calling them spies, that was a word that uh, I was curious about, and I was looking back at the Hebrew root for it. It's related to ideas of of treachery or slander that Joseph is accusing them of having some sort of dishonest or malicious secret intent about their visit. And, you know, that reminded me, that was what his previous experience with them had been. They had a dishonest, malicious secret intent when they wanted to kill him, when they sold him into slavery, when they covered it up and they lied to their father. So part of this, I think, is evaluating where they are at and who they are. You know, have these guys changed in the 20 intervening years? Uh, one of these things they say might not be entirely truthful. Verse 13, he says, we are 12 brothers, You know, not we were 12 brothers. Uh, I wonder mm-hmm. if Joseph, not knowing anything about what's happening happened back in Canaan in the intervening 20 years, I wonder if he's making sure they haven't Done something to Benjamin too, you yeah. know. With Joseph gone, Benjamin, as we see, was then the favorite, and this playing favorites that Jacob does, all too obviously, has already led to problems. I wonder if he is is uh, evaluating their character towards Benjamin and making sure that Benjamin himself is safe.
0: And that, that you know that's a very good insight because we can just see it as he's mad. He wants them to go down, but there's definitely some concern for him. And it, it, you know, it does say that he, uh, that he, he recognized them. He did treat them roughly, but there, there's some compassion there where he's, he's really trying to find out what's happening to my brother. If they did this to me, was it just the next guy in in line? Were they going to do the same thing to him? What's going to happen? And the whole thing is so messy because for, for me, if somebody treats me even remotely like what happened to Joseph, I mean, I've never been thrown into a cistern and sold to somebody else. Um, But if somebody treats me a certain way, my natural reaction is arm's length, keep them away from me. I don't want anything to do with them anymore. I mean, that's my natural reaction. And thanks be to God that there are times that I repent of that. And here we totally understand it. And it's very earthy, very real because we all have those moments within our, our families where There's there's this a separation now. How do we live together once again? And so we get a a a hyped up version of that, or that kind of our our stories on steroids right here um, with Joseph and his brothers. Other thoughts Mm -hmm. up to seventeen.
1: Yeah, Um, in his commentary on the Book of Genesis, Luther talking about this passage, Mm -hmm. he he sees Joseph acting as a preacher of the law, that uh, Mm -hmm. he is is bringing them to acknowledge and repent of their sin against Joseph. That even though they don't recognize him, that uh, they, he, he does bring them to that, uh, to that realization eventually. Uh, he, Luther calls this a strong medicine, um, that uh, sin that is disregarded, he says, does not make good and honest men. There is no room for grace if we do not acknowledge sin, humble ourselves and are reduced to nothing with the result that we feel we are condemned. Uh, again, this idea that the preaching of the law uh, brings us to acknowledge our sin and to be condemned by it so that we can then truly receive and uh, uh, appreciate what grace itself is. So uh, in, in uh, looking at this, that, that uh, uh, Luther even sees Joseph acting as sort of a, a type of Christ in the sense that he is preaching the law in order to bring about repentance.
0: And that's a good point because there is that, boy, I'm, I'm trying to think through this uh, uh, correctly, but when he calls them spies, no, truly you are spies, it, it's just kind of this, he's kind of calling them out for what they really are, which is liars. You know, you're, you're, you're a liar. You're not, you lied to dad, you, you deceived me, and he's not, count, I mean, they weren't, that's not necessarily a spy term, mm-hmm. but he's definitely treating them with that law that Luther speaks about, He's calling them out for they there should be some form of punishment for what they did uh and there should be something there preaching of the law and i love that insight by luther is that from his luther's works that you read this or where do you read that from
1: yes that's right from his uh, the mm-hmm. luther's works edition on his genesis commentary
0: Oh, I love it. I love it. And I encourage you, our listeners, that if you, if you have opportunities to look at the, the Luther's works, ask your pastor. Maybe he has it, or you can purchase parts of it at Elite or one of the books. Absolutely outstanding theological, Christ-centered, pastoral um, sermons on, well, basically the whole Bible, which is just an incredible gift to us as a church. Pastor, anything else as we uh, are up to verse 17? Uh, No, let's continue on. All right. Well, actually, you know what? We need to take our break. It's that time. We're into this. We're excited. We are studying Genesis chapter 42 with Pastor Waffle, and we'll be right back. welcome back we are studying genesis chapter 42 with pastor derek waffle of christ lutheran church in pascagoula mississippi now pastor we as you said we're good to go up through verse 17 and now we get to the third day um one last chance anything else you want to highlight before we keep plugging through well Anytime you hear three days in Scripture, you know what that should make mm. you think of.
1: Um, I don't know if <laughs> I don't know if we should really see that much of a uh, uh, foreshadowing of Christ here, except that uh, uh, you know that that yeah, you know, as we heard from Luther in his commentary, that there is a preaching of the law happening here, and then you know the uh, after the 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 law does its worst, three days in the crucifixion now. Uh, th- or th- three days after the crucifixion, the resurrection. Um, not that we really see that going forward in the narrative too much, but uh, I, my my hermeneutical glasses, whenever I see three days in the Bible, I always wonder, hmm, is there a connection there?
0: Uh. I wonder too, because you have, uh, well, this might be a little bit of a stretch, but you do have that reality of, for example, Joseph later on, is it you know they thought he was dead but is alive how could we not see a death and resurrection reality in that and with this there is that dead and sin of these brothers they've been buried for three days if you will because they need a resurrection and it is only god that would be able to resurrect them so i think we could kind of make some of that that's i think that's a good um uh preaching opportunity i think there but we don't want to go too far because well It doesn't explicitly say that either. So that's one way of of making sure we look at it. So verse 18, let's keep moving forward. On the third day, Joseph said to them, do this and you will live for I fear God. If you are honest men, let one of your brothers remain confined here where you are in custody and let the rest go and carry grain for the famine of your households and bring your youngest brother to me. So your words would be verified and you shall not die. And they did so. Then they said to one another, In truth, we are guilty concerning our brother, and that we saw the distress of his soul, Then we begged, and he begged us, and we did not listen. This is why this distress came upon us. And Reuben answered him, Did I not tell you not to sin against the boy? But you did not listen. So now there comes a reckoning for his blood. They did not know that Joseph understood them, for there was an interpreter between them. Then he turned away from them and wept. And he returned to them and spoke to them and he took Simeon from them and bound him before their eyes. And Joseph gave orders to fill their bags with grain and to replace every man's money in his sack and to give them provisions for the journey. This was done for them. There's quite a bit going on here, pastor. How do you, how do you want to begin uh, break this down for us? So this is kind of, this is fascinating. Keep, let's keep going. Well, I
1: think, I think this is why we can see perhaps that, uh, um, that hint of Christ here in that third day, Mm. because as you said, they are sort of dead in sin. And after three days, this is when we start seeing some acknowledgement of sin, some repentance before they did mention Joseph. They when they're telling him about their family, they simply say, one of our brothers is no more. And that's all we get until these three days later, they've all been in prison, they've all been uh, reflecting on this. And then Joseph, the third day, he says, do this and you will live. And then he says, for I fear God, uh, which I, I have to wonder what they would have made of that, uh, saying that this, this man, they assumed to be an Egyptian, is also fearing their own God but that that is a reminder to them of the the life of faith that uh, mm. uh, it he, he mentions God to them and then God. they then they confess their sin in truth we are guilty concerning our brother that uh, uh, you know these they're finally being brought to that uh, um, acknowledgement of, of what they have done and that, uh, you know, they, uh, Reuben certainly is is uh, uh, suggesting that they are getting their just desserts for that. <laughs>
0: yeah. And it, it's fascinating because, like you said, it's it's this is a long time from the time Joseph was there. And so they're holding on to this sin. They're holding on to this. And you can tell they're all burdened by it because they are all feeling it. And, and how quickly they're making this connection. I mean, it's not like, like, well, you know, we really haven't been faithful lately. We haven't done this. And um, here's the deal, that this is such a burden upon them that it's still there. And I think this relates to all of us because we all have sins. Um, that, that we can remember distinctly from our past, whether it's 20 years, 30 years, 40, 50 years. I've had people who have come to me for confession absolution that it was over 50 years ago since the sin, and they needed just to get it out. And so this is something that we all realize that we have, which is one, an encouragement, one, to go to Christ. Two, I think the power of going to your pastor or to a pastor for confession and absolution is such an important thing because you can take that specific sin that you're feeling and just give it to the Lord and boom, that full forgiveness that Christ gives to us is applied to you. And secondly, um, a reminder of once again, why the church is even there, because we are all holding so much guilt and shame. And as our Lord who has given us a prescription, which is our Lord Jesus Christ pastor your thoughts and the text or what I just yeah, mentioned? how
1: much this uh, this sin against Joseph is haunting the whole family you know we see mm-hmm. Jacob's uh, Jacob's reluctance at the beginning to to send Benjamin as well uh, their own memory of this and you know some of these brothers had some other sins in their past that that we are told about uh, uh, Simeon and Levi uh and judah and and tamar and uh genesis is uh full of stories involving these brothers and some of their not so savory deeds in the past and yet the one they jump to is joseph mm. so that yeah this past sin is is a burden not just on each of them as individuals but on the family as a whole that there is still this uh, uh as, as we see towards the end of this chapter there is this brokenness in the family, this distrust and division between them from this 20 year old sin. And like you said, this is not something that we have to stretch our imaginations to understand today, mm. how mm-hmm. we, I think each of us in our families have, have these uh, past events, these past words, these past hurts that, that burden us. And, you know, there, there's an expression, time heals all wounds. I don't think that is true or what we see reflected in scripture. Time passing doesn't heal all wounds. Repentance and truth heal wounds. Repentance that turns us to God and the truth of the gospel. That is where we actually find this family able to move past what had happened.
0: And that's what we hear from Isaiah 53. And, and I mean, it's just, it just rings in our ears. By his wounds, we are healed. Which is, I mean, what more powerful thing, whenever you meet somebody who's been in a similar situation, that, that there's a certain amount of healing that happens. Like, oh, you've been through that too? I've been through that too. And, and you see that in the church, and it's just a beautiful thing that happens. Now, step it up about a hundred notches, a million notches, whatever it might be, that we have a God who has taken those wounds that we will feel that that he's been uh, thrown to the side and, and and pretty much thrown to slavery just like Joseph was um, and and yet he did it all out of love. I mean he knows this story, he understands these stories, he has felt these stories, he has experienced death, not only himself but grieving. Um, the loss of a, of a friend and, and beloved person in his life. He cries like we cry. He's gone through all of this. This goes back to Hebrews. Like you and I were, were studying almost a year ago that it is Jesus who has gone through these temptations, but yet has <laughs> prevailed. And he has felt it all like us. I mean, how can we not see Jesus all over in this story as well? So pastor, he's going to send him away. Um well, he's gonna send them away that, and yeah, we see some mercy
1: ahead. because he starts off yeah. with all 12, all ten of the brothers in prison, and then you know he appears to relent and say, Okay, fine, I'm not gonna keep you all here. One of you can stay, and the other ten or the other nine can can return.
0: Well, let's get uh I'm ready to keep going because it, it kinda it gets gets better and better as we continue let's through it. this. All right, verse twenty-six. Of Genesis 42. Then they loaded their donkeys with their grain and departed. And as one of them opened his sack to give his dog donkey fodder at the lodging place, he saw his money in the mouth of his sack. He said to his brothers, My money has been put back. Here it is in the mouth of my sack. And their hearts failed them, and they turned trembling to one another, saying, What is this that God has done to us? When they came back, came to Jacob their father in the land of Canaan. They told him all that had happened to them, saying, the man the, the man, the Lord of the land, spoke roughly to us and took us to be spies of the land. But we said to him, We are honest men. We have never been spies. We are twelve brothers, sons of our father. One is no more, and the youngest is the day that is father in the land of Canaan. And the man, the Lord of the land, said to us, By this I shall know that you are honest men. Leave one of your brothers with me and take grain for the famine of your households and go your way. Bring your youngest brother to me. Then I shall know that you are not spies but honest men. And I'll deliver your brother to me and you shall trade in the land. Now, I want to get to an obvious word there that they said about themselves that we could probably call baloney on, but they they loaded up their donkeys, they had some grain, and then they find out that there's money still in their sack. What's the problem with that? It's like, (laughs) oh, this guy must have been gracious to us, gave us our money back, but it seems like there's something more here. What are your thoughts? Yeah, uh, well, they
1: they describe themselves as honest men, but... you know, how far did they get? Was it so far they couldn't turn around? Uh, sounds like this is, uh, it just says at the lodging place, you know, it, it seems to be another aspect of this testing of their character, uh, besides the whole experience of putting them in prison for three days and questioning them and accusing them. Uh, there's this extra layer that, all right, fine. If you're, uh, let's see if you're going to be honest with money. Uh, love of money is mm. the root of many kinds of evil. Paul says, uh, I'll put their money back in their sack and see what they do with that. The, um, you know, it reminds me of, um, what first Peter says about, you know, testing the genuineness of your faith, um, Mm. that, or James, that the, the, what the product of testing a person's faith, uh, they, they are very much being tested, um, and their their reaction is not all that clear to me. Th- they say mm-hmm. to each other, what is this that God has done to us? Clearly, they think this is something supernatural, I suppose, because why on earth would the Egyptians put our money back in our sack? That makes no sense. It must be something God has done. Why would he do that? Uh, now. You could say that it is God doing it through Joseph and that uh, uh, his his work is being done in this process, but they clearly do not understand at this point what on earth is going on here.
0: Well, it's interesting because you see what Luther speaks about with this is that when their hearts failed them, what has God done to us? He kind of speaks about it that it, it points out that that all their confidence, wisdom, and courage had failed them, They were terrified, not only that they saw the money in their sack, but they were confronted with the sin they committed. Yet it doesn't appear that they're fully repentant over it to the point where they actually want to do anything about it. It's like, well, that's terrible. And even though they've been burdened for 20 years over these past sins, or at least Reuben is, and the rest of them are definitely feeling it. Here, they have another sin that they don't seem to like, okay, now I've learned I need to deal with this. I need to repent of this. We need to make this right. And they are seem to be happy with grieving, um, knowing that they've done something wrong. Um, so they, they definitely have not uh, repented the way we wish, mm-hmm. the way we wish. That's a great any. point, that uh, mm-hmm. what all goes into biblical repentance,
1: it's uh, yeah, not just this acknowledgement of, of wrongdoing, but... It goes beyond that. You know, I, I think of the example of Zacchaeus that when he mm-hmm, repents mm-hmm. and he's speaking to Jesus, that he uh, he not only acknowledges his sin, but he takes steps to make it right. And you know, Reuben here, uh, and, and Reuben is talking to his brothers. Did I not tell you to not to sin against the boy, but you didn't listen? You know, he's accusing them. I'm the one who wanted to save him. And yes, we do learn that. In the previous chapters, Reuben did have this intention to to come and rescue Joseph later. But we also have to remember that when he was unable to do that, he takes part in the lie to Jacob. He takes part in the cover up uh, uh, you know, with the, the coat uh, covered with blood and so forth. Twenty years he has kept up this lie to their father. So he, he may you may consider him less guilty because he had that intention. And he, he seems to think that as well, you know, telling his brothers, I told you so, mm-hmm. but he is not without guilt in this. Uh, <laughs> and he, he has spent these 20 years keeping up that lie and also not following through with the repentance and, and, uh, you know, telling the truth to his father. Uh, so yeah, this, they, they're sorry for what they've done. They're feeling the punishment for what they've done, but it's that whole, uh, whole issue. Are you sorry because you got caught and you're being punished or is this truly the repentance that leads to faith and reconciliation?
0: And then we have to be careful too, not to become, you know, well, that's not enough repentance for me. You know, how quickly we can read this and then, (laughs) and then we have to look at our own lives and say, oh my gosh, I have, I have some repenting to do as well. And, and I love, and it's all the work of God in us that's and that's the, all the work the other of god. piece of the puzzle yeah. it's th-
1: that it's not it, that we have to manufacture enough repentance that it's and as as we are seeing joseph acting in as a preacher of the law here that it is god in that sense bringing them to repent step by step until they reach that uh, that that point um, you're right that, that that's yeah you know, when and we think that it's not us repenting enough sincerely enough uh what whatever you would would say that no, it is it is God's working on us that brings us to that point.
0: And that's and that's a good reminder for us because I, it, one of the great um, definitions I heard of repentance is the the terror or sorrow over sin, which is that time you, re- you realize, "Oh my gosh, I have sinned," and faith in the promise of God's mercy and forgiveness. And you, when you connect those two realities it makes you realize what you just said so great and so wonderfully is it's a work of God. You know, too often we think of repentance as me, myself, and I, and have I done it enough? And then other people are judging my repentance. Is it enough? But when you're able to see it as the sorrow, recognition of that sin, and the assurance that we have a a faithful God, we have faith in this God who is merciful and forgiving, that brings it all together in a way that, well, it makes us lean on him as opposed to ourselves, which is exactly where we always need to be, which I think is exactly where Joseph is in this and exactly where his brothers and Jacob are, are going to be. I mean, everyone's going to be there, but it, the, the journey is quite, uh, as you said at the beginning, not a smooth road. Other thoughts up to this point? Well, they they
1: acknowledge themselves you know, in, uh, in the brothers' uh T- telling Jacob about what all happened, they they omit, unsurprisingly, perhaps, but they omit this conversation about this is all happening because of what we did to Joseph.
0: Mm-hmm. Um, they
1: the, they they still yeah again they they have that sorrow over their sin, but they don't yet have that faith that leads yeah. them to to respond. So.
0: Well, Lord, have mercy on us all. May we have the faith uh, that our Lord graciously gives um, as we continue w- living our lives, Pastor. We have about nine minutes left in our time. Let's let's continue to the end and yes, and get our final points. Verse thirty-five: As they emptied their sacks, behold, every man's bundle of money was in the sack. Okay, Pastor, real quickly. If they saw it in one of the brothers, why didn't they all check their own? I don't know. Okay. (laughs) Maybe maybe they would have turned around at that point. Yeah, right. (laughs) I don't know. But, you know, it is what it is. And when they and their father saw their bundles of money, they were afraid. And Jacob, their father, said to them, You have bereaved me of my children. Joseph is no more and Simeon is no more. And now you would take Benjamin? All this has come against me. Then Reuben said to his father, kill my two sons if I do not bring him back to you. Put him in my hands and I will bring him back to you. But he said, my son shall not go down with you. For his brother is dead and he is the only one left. If harm should happen to him on the journey that you are to make, that would bring down my gray hairs with sorrow to Sheol. Okay, so let me just say this first. And I want to hear your thoughts. Is okay, they all have money and they all have, well, clearly sinned. There's just a, a grief beyond gr- grief that is happening. And then Jacob says, This, my son shall not go down with you, for he is the only one left. I don't know family dynamics that well, but that's not good if there's 10 brothers sitting there and he says that this one's the only one left, <laughs> that probably's not good for the, yeah. for the family reunion. So pastor, yeah, what else do this, you have for us?
1: This whole, uh, the whole story of Jacob and his family, uh, there is this poison of favoritism, uh, that, that he loves Rachel more than the others and that leads to quite a bit of heartache and trouble he pays he plays favorites towards joseph that's a large part of what caused the brothers to hate him and and take that evil action against him he's still playing favorites with benjamin over the others i mean he's willing to let simeon uh rot in an egyptian jail rather than risk benjamin going with them and when Reuben makes this offer, kill my sons if I don't bring back Benjamin. Now, Jacob doesn't accept that offer, but the fact that Reuben makes it in the first place, what does he think about his dad? Uh, you know, it's, it's a reminder how, the, how God uses sinful, evil people. By his grace to accomplish good things, that uh, you know the A- Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob are these you know these great patriarchs, these great pillars of Old Testament faith, and yet we see in each one of them, uh, Abraham and Isaac and Jacob all of Jacob's sons, these are not perfect people, hmm. and yet those are the people that God uses.
0: It was that. Say, what does that say to us now? Is we're able to see these. These patriarchs and matriarchs and their failures, but yet, God used them. What does that mean for us, and to make sure we're doing it faithfully <laughs> yeah. not 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 to go too far with that, but how does that relate to us? right Well, thanks be to God that he uh, He forgives us our evil and u- uses it
1: uh, uh to make good come out of it but of course that doesn't excuse the uh <laughs> the, the the sin and the problems that come from all this uh, but he he doesn't, uh, uh, makes me think of what Luther says in uh, the uh, Heidelberg theses, that God does not uh, find the kind of people that he wants and then use them. He creates, he makes us into the kind of people that he wants us to be in order to, mm. uh, to, to then use us. That uh, he is, uh, he's not, he, he doesn't demand perfection. He gives us that by grace. Christ that our perfection lies not in ourselves but in the righteousness that is given to us by grace through faith
0: and as we as we look at that it comes to the end of, of this chapter that we are able to see well the depth of grief for Jacob clearly uh, to Reuben who wants to it probably make up for those past sins. Cause yes, he's not the one that threw Joseph or sold Joseph or threw him in the cistern or sold him. But yet he was there. He didn't like go after the Ishmaelites. He didn't go back to his father and say, we need to fix this. He's the one who held on to that lie for 20 years. He's grieving. You have, uh, the brothers are grieving. They're afraid. Jacob is grieving. Everybody is a darn mess, but that's why we don't stop at chapter 42. We keep going throughout Genesis and we do see God being faithful to these men, and he continues to be faithful through the generations. Clearly not a smooth road, but yet God is faithful to his people throughout all of this, which to me is just a good reminder for us in the church today that indeed the Lord will provide. Pastor, give us some thoughts on on how we read this and how it relates to the church today and the comfort the, and the hope that we still have.
1: Well, our, conviction as as Lutherans is that all of Scripture is pointing us to Christ, first and foremost. So, you know, the question I was asking when I was reading this chapter is where do we see Christ in here? Um, as we mentioned earlier, we see Joseph acting as a, uh, as a preacher of the law, you know, bringing his brothers to repent of their sin that ultimately leads to faith, to the gospel, to forgiveness. Uh, we also see God acting faithfully according to his promise, preserving the family line of Abraham that will lead to the nation of Israel, and then will lead to Jesus, the Messiah, the, you know, Israel reduced to one, that all these promises that God made back to the very beginning are being kept as this family is being preserved. Uh, And this story of bringing them down into Egypt is a big part of that, bringing them down into this. It's almost a sort of an incubator, bringing the family of Jacob down to where they grow over the uh, f- roughly four centuries. They grow into this great nation that is then brought out in the Exodus into the Promised Land. So we see, uh, you know, a, a a moment in time of God's great overarching millennia-long plan, and of course, Jacob and. Joseph and the other sons they don't understand any of that but they do have their role in it and this uh looking back that we can see that you know their their story is given to us to uh, to strengthen our faith in uh, in our own savior that as he has kept this promise over so many years he will certainly keep the promises that he has made to us in Christ
0: one one comment that i've heard when it comes to Genesis is that God works through means, even uncomfortable ones. And I thought that was, that was, that was really well put because (laughs) you see that throughout the scriptures that not only is there a dab of grace everywhere you go, not only does God carry his people through some horrible things, but God is continually working through some uncomfortable times in order to, well, to save his people and we obviously see that specifically with the cross, right? I mean, this is the most uncomfortable thing we can think of that God worked through in order to save his people. But we see that throughout Genesis. And so, Pastor, thank you for pointing us in that direction. So we have about a minute left in our time. How would you summarize this chapter and, and encourage our listeners in Christ? The
1: uh, One of Luther's... Uh, Ways that faith is strengthened the most is what he calls uh, in Latin tentatio, this is the idea of uh, mm. uh, tribulation, times of trouble, as one of the things that strengthens our faith the most. Because it's in those times that we are most put to the test. And uh, our faith is strengthened by these when we are turned back to God uh, in prayer, in study of scripture, in uh, repentance. Uh, it's when the rubber really meets the road. And i think that is is kind of what we see going on as you said all the uh the things that are happening with this situation the rubber is really meeting the road for mm-hmm. these sons of jacob and uh it is not a pleasant process you know as you as you just said but it is for their their ultimate good you know that all things work together for The good of of god's faithful people as paul tells us in romans Uh, Mm. even being sold into slavery in egypt in Joseph's case even being falsely accused and imprisoned uh in these uh the case of jacob's other sons here all things work together for good and all things includes the things that we aren't enjoying at the time but we 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 have faith in god that he is he does love us he does care for us and he is working our eternal benefit
0: Pastor Derek Waffle of Christ Lutheran Church in Pascagoula, Mississippi, giving us God's strong word from Genesis chapter 42. Pastor Waffle, it's great to have you on again, and thank you for bringing us his gifts. Thank you very much. It's a pleasure to be with you. I'm your host, Pastor Brady Finner, and thank you for joining us, and the Lord keep you safe in the palm of his hand.